me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to talk the world's game from an American perspective. Presented by ShopFutsal.com, you're listening to Two Up Front, where we focus on all things American soccer. Now in the studio, your hosts, Baxter Colburn and Simon Provan. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I am Baxter Colburn. And I am Corey Plath. Well, hello, Corey Plath. How are you, sir? I am doing well. I had a little bit of an identity crisis because it said Ann Simon Provan, and I know he's your typical of course. co-host. Of course, of course. But I, I couldn't remember my name for a second. <laughs> Corey Provan, Simon Plath. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you, you got the right names put together. But yes, if you haven't figured it out, Simon Provan, he's off this week. He's also off next week as well. He's out in Oregon doing some... Soccer? No, it's not soccer. I wish. No, he's doing some actor training, actually. He he wishes he was just doing stuff with the Portland Timbers and Portland Thorns, but he's not, unfortunately. But we will miss him, and uh, we wish him all the best while he's out there as well. If you want to say hi to him, you can tweet at him, at Simon Provan. We've got a great show in store for you tonight. Two big interviews for you today. It's a beautiful Friday for you. Uh, Quincy Americoa of the San Jose Earthquakes will be here in the uh, about the fifth segment. And, our, and following this segment, actually, Western New York Flash goalkeeper and Canadian international Sabrina D'Angelo will be here with us as well for our Women's Soccer Spotlight. Two great interviews with two fantastic people as well. Sabrina is on her way to the Rio Olympics as part of Canada's national team. Quincy trying to help San Jose stay relevant in that just juggernaut that is the Western Conference in MLS. So two great interviews. You're not going to want to miss those later on in the program. Speaking of which, though, we want to remind you that you can listen to the show on Fridays at 11.30 a.m. Central Time. You can hear it on the Sports Podcasting Network and also on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker.com. Definitely go and check out our website as well, 2upfrontsoccer.com. And, of course, on social media, on Facebook, 2upfront. I am at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan, at Two Up Front Soccer, and at uh, C Plath 10. Am I correct about you that? You are correct. C Plath 10. We love when C Plath 10, Mr. Corey Plath, is on the show. He is, you are pretty much the de facto step in for Simon Provan co host, I feel like. Anytime Simon is off gallivanting, last year when Simon was off doing the exact same thing, you stepped in when the Women's World Cup was going on and did all that stuff too. So you've, you've done this once or twice. Once or twice. A little bit different scenario. A little bit. I mean, it's a year later. You're doing much well, much better. Much well. <laughs> much well. well. You're doing much well. Uh, English. Yeah. It's so overrated, don't worry. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a, an enjoyable ride to see how far the show has come along, and and to be able to be a part of that is just a fantastic thing. No, we appreciate your uh, your continued support, Corey, and we're excited to have you here as well. Well, let's jump into it. Our first segment, the kick around. As many folks know, we take a look around at the world of soccer, see what all is going on, and who better than Lionel Messi or Leo Messi or Lionel Messi or however you pronounce his name. It's a messy situation for the Messies right now, as you could say. Pardon the terrible pun. He's going to jail. Or is he? I'm not exactly sure, Corey. Can you can you under to help us figure out what exactly is going on with this right now? He's he's been told he's going to jail in Spain for tax fraud, but then I've heard rumors that no, he's not gonna go. how can you not if someone gives you a jail sentence, don't you have to go? Well, uh, you can ask the U.S. courts about. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> all right, enough of that topic. So, um, so yes, the the U.S. or the uh, the courts in Spain said there was tax ev- or tax evasion. Yes, and so now Messi needs to pay a fine. I don't have the number in front of me as far as how much he needs to pay. Uh, Do you have it there? I'm trying to. I thought I had. He was fined two million euros. His father was fined one point. 5 million euros. They both made a voluntary 5 million dollar uh, euro uh, corrective payment equal to the alleged unpaid taxes plus interest back in 2013. I'm not exactly sure. Um, they long, both, yeah. long story short, it's the amount of taxes that he was supposed to pay over the last four, yes. three, four years. Yes. And then it's due to inflation or missing payments what a typical citizen would pay if mm-hmm. they defaulted on their on their tax payments. So, the, from everything that I've heard from this, Corey, it sounds like even though he's been given a 21-month prison sentence, people are saying, experts, a lot of people are saying he's not going to go. Right. And the reason is, is because officials ruled that since he nor his father have ever committed a crime or been arrested in any sort... It's a forgivable thing. They pay that fine, and they let him off the hook, essentially. And it's a slap on the wrist mm-hmm. and say, don't do it again. And it's tax fraud, too. It's not like he killed somebody. It's a little different. Yeah, but when you're handed that sort of a sentence of jail time, you would think at least some sort of punishment besides the, the monetary uh, fine would come across. I would agree with you on that one. But I think the big question now is now that all of this is taking place, does this sort of put a small blemish on the legacy that is Messi as a whole? He's never I mean I know he's never won a major international tournament. He's got La Liga and Champions League titles and records blah 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 for Barcelona. But does this put a little bit of a chink in the armor that is Lionel Messi? I wonder how much of this is not Lionel Messi. I wonder how much of this is accountant. Mm. Because when you're in that type of a situation, your sole focus is on the sport that you play. And you hire people around you that uh, have uh, the characteristics for that environment. So you have your accountants, your lawyers, your whatever else you need. Mm. Uh, does this reflect on Messi? Absolutely, because he's the big name. Do you ever hear about the accountant? Of course. Probably not. Not normally, no. And that's the thing. I mean, I know it's his, because we've heard references of his father and of Messi himself, but. I've I've seen rumors as well that um, the Chelsea Football Club in England have talked about 
trying to help bail him out with this problem and kind of almost in terms of to get him to come sign for them as well. a little bribe. A little bit of a bribe. Like, look, we'll we'll pay whatever you need to get taken care of. In exchange, we'll also give you millions of dollars to come play for us as well. But here's a little added incentive to help this all go away. Because I haven't heard anything from Barcelona yet where they're like, well, absolutely, we'll help whatever we need to. But I guess it's a little bit of a different situation because Barcelona doesn't really need to feel the... Objection or the objective to True. help out. They already have Messi as a player uh, signed to a contract. Mm-hmm. Chelsea trying to draw the draw Messi away. So there's a little bit of an incentive there. Granted, um, I don't believe that uh, Ronaldo or Messi is going to be leaving La Liga anytime soon. No, I don't think so. And, and I, I, so I think it's just kind of wasted effort. I would agree. No, I completely agree with you. So we'll see what happens with Lionel Messi. We'll see if he. Uh does end up having everything completely waived. If he does end up having to maybe pay a higher fine, nobody really knows. Speaking of which, though, there's some transfers that have been going on. Simon and I talked about this last week a little bit, but I was curious to get your thoughts, Corey, about Zlatan Ibrahimovic finally making the move to the Premier League. It's been talked about and hyped for years. Finally, he settles on lowly little Manchester United, which in years past would be like, oh, Manchester United, but the way they've played the last couple seasons is like... Does it really make a difference? But th- we also hear rumors of Paul Pogba getting ready to sign with Manchester United as well, too. Jose Mourinho seems to be building an all-star team. Uh, and I think he's tired of whatever Manchester United has done in the past. And I think by bringing in Zlatan and Paul Pogba, this completely changes the face of what Man United soccer is. It, it does. It certainly does. And it's becoming more of, like you said, a superstar team of, of let's just pull in anyone and everyone that we can possibly think of and see if we can finally win um, that coveted title. And I think that's something that they've, they're missing. I mean, you talk about a team like Arsenal, you know, Chelsea, they've won it recently too. Arsenal hasn't, but Manchester well, United, yeah, it's been a while too for them. And then there's obviously Leicester City who won it last year, but not really a good opportunity for them to win it again yet this year. But I, I'm curious to know, though. I mean, they've, they've brought in some other people too that I don't really know how to pronounce. Um, I, I, I'm going to butcher this name, Henrik Mikar, yeah, Mikhitaranian or something like that. I don't know. He played from Borussia Dortmund, another dynamic midfielder. Now you've got rumors of Paul Pogba as well. I'm just worried that Manchester United is going to get a little too full. I feel like you can, and that's the issue you have with any major team. It's why you see teams like even on the national scale too. It's like you can only call in so many talent positions or players in certain positions. And right now, Manchester United has a little bit of an influx of talented midfielders. I feel like yeah, and you know what happens? You're you're real front heavy, but if you look at the back line, that's you're where not, the You're not is. getting any help exactly, you're not, and you're not getting any younger either. You take a look at Argentina mm-hmm. when it comes down to it. I mean, I guess in the Copa America, yes, their defense did hold up against Chile, but it's Chile. I mean, when it comes yes. to when it comes At to the, the Americas, the day, they're one of the best. Of course, well, they are technically the best. Well, yes, but yes, I know what you're saying. But when you put it on a whole international level, you take a France, you take a Germany, and they're just going to beat to shreds Argentina or Chile. And it's it's Argentina is real front heavy. Mm-hmm. And when they get into these tougher matches, they just can't 
hold on the back line. I agree. No, I completely agree with you on that one. It's one thing to have firepower. That's what sells tickets. People don't come to see John Stones, Rio Ferdinand back in the day for Manchester United. They came to see Wayne Rooney score goals. They came to see David Beckham, Cristiano Ronaldo. That's why you go to those games. People Mm -hmm. don't go to Real Madrid games nowadays to see Pepe or maybe Sergio Ramos because he's a very talented center back, but people go to see goals. They don't go to see great defensive plays. And it's true that offense sells tickets and defense wins championships. Exactly. As much as people don't necessarily like to agree with that statement, that's usually what it boils down to. No, I completely agree, and I think that's a big reason why my favorite team, the New England Revolution, are so poor. They've got arguably the best offense in all of MLS, but their defense is absolute garbage. And you can't win a championship if you're letting in two or three goals a game. It certainly makes it more difficult. I won't say it's impossible. Yeah. But I, you know, it's nice to see that 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 Mourinho is throwing in all these efforts mm-hmm. to try and make something out of a an uncomfortable situation. I, I agree. won't necessarily; it's bad. They're they're mediocre. Yeah. Um, I think Zlatan is a temporary fix for what Rooney has left behind. I agree, yes. And Rooney will still be there this year, and we have already heard from Mourinho. He's like, I am not going to play Rooney in the midfield, like where he played last year, and he's played with the England national team. He's like, he will be a striker. That's that's plain and done. But then you look at it, though. You had a great surging forward like Marcus Rashford last year, a fantastic young talent. Does his minutes now decrease because you've got Zlatan, who will not stand for not playing, and Rooney, who is a captain but knows his place now, but two big, powerful figures like that, how do you juggle them with also a rising star? Well, it, it when it comes down to it, I honestly think Rooney is on the bottom of those three. I I would I would, argue I, I, would say I agree that. with that too. Yes, it's I, just it's the name. It's hard. I don't know what the Mourinho Rooney connection will be. Right. Um, it, it's it's difficult to see what you're going to do without actually seeing um, consistently the form that these guys are in. Mm-hmm. I I am a strong. Uh, believer in you you take the people that you have the young people and you train and you develop them into your superstars you Agreed. don't go out and purchase every single person mm-hmm. you know our favorite football team the packers that's what they 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 draft and they train yes and that's their philosophy and they've done well in that and some know? people don't like that and i understand that but at the same accord every team is different that's why you don't have the exact same team or the exact same teams doing the same, you know, every year. It's you move around, you try to see what team is going to do the best, and they're able to, some teams emerge one year, and sometimes they don't. But even still, though, looking at this team, though, this is a very talented team on so many different fronts. We'll see, though. We'll see what Manchester United does. Speaking of goals, though, one of the things we wanted to talk about, you had a very interesting story about a team very near and dear to your heart, Minnesota United, or the Loons, as some people like to call them. A very interesting but familiar story at the same time in terms of the storyline as a whole. What do you have for us, Corey? Yeah, so um, growing up in Minnesota, the the soccer team that I followed the most closely was uh, Minnesota United, the Loons. And... Um, one of their top strikers, Christian Ramirez, has uh, started to catch on fire. He's been one that has been hit or miss in many many games throughout the season or in even past seasons. Um, but when he comes to play, he comes shining. And that was evident when they recently played uh, the Carolina Railhawks. Granted, uh, the Railhawks may not be the best team in um, the NASL, but Christian Ramirez was a part of uh, four of their five goals, scoring three of them, and had an assist. 
And it's even gotten to the point in which Jurgen Klinsmann has come out and started to look at this guy. And has said so on Twitter about how this guy has really come out and started to play well Mm -hmm. and is potentially being looked at as bringing up towards the men's national team. Hmm. So it's one of those situations in which, yes, Minnesota United is going to be joining the MLS next year. Yes. And... um, this guy, this kid, might be getting a lot of playing time in in uh, NASL now, but he's going to start to be a real big headline when it hits the MLS season. Now, hearing something like this though makes me remember a guy named Miguel Ibarra that we heard from Minnesota United. Just I feel like it was just last year, and until he you know moved, and we haven't really heard much from him since. I, I wonder if it's the same scenario or. I mean, that's great that you've had two different forwards now from Minnesota United get an opportunity to possibly, well, one did feature for the national team. Now another one is rumored to start. And with Clint Dempsey being on his way out and that whole debacle of forwards, which we could go into for hours, you know, this might be a good time for a new up-and-comer to to sneak his way into the lineup or at least get some minutes in camp as well. I'm just curious to know, though, if this is going to be the same story, just another year difference. Yeah, it definitely could be, and you have you have these up and comers like Jordan Morris, like um, I'm blanking on his name. Sardis? Uh No, it's Bobby Wood. Bobby Wood. There yes. we go. Another quality player. Um, and you have these 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 young talents, and you look at Christian Ramirez. He is 25, mm-hmm. and so he's a little bit older. Um, but it's it's one of those he brings in an experience that these guys don't have, but it's not the Wondolowski, it's not the Clint Dempsey exactly. age difference either. I agree. And I so. Agree. Um, and I think his biggest downfall is that he's only been at the NESL level. Mm. And so we'll see how that turns out at the MLS level next year mm-hmm. um, because I anticipate that they will keep him on contract. Granted, that's a whole different situation, join, jumping from NESL to MLS. Exactly, yeah. But uh, we'll see how that turns out. I, uh, this is someone to definitely keep an eye on going forward. Well, you heard it here first. Christian Ramirez, take a look. Uh, I'm sure there's some highlights on YouTube or on NESL or Minnesota United's websites accordingly. All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, our first of two interviews on the show this week, Western New York Flash goalkeeper Sabrina D'Angelo. She'll be here with us. We'll have a chat with her to see how she's been doing. I uh, heard she has an injury. We'll see how that's going and a lot more things stay with us you're listening to two up front presented by shopfutsal.com Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Simon Provan, joining us from the field or the remote location of where, where are you now, Simon? I feel like you're never in the studio anymore. Do you not like, <laughs> do I smell? I will take a shower if you need me to, but I, I showered this morning. Well, I so. wasn't going to say anything, Baxter, but... Uh... <laughs> well, I, thankfully, uh, thankfully, I did shower today, and I, I enjoy a regular shower, so we don't need to worry about that, but uh, you're just a busy guy, Simon. <laughs> I understand that, but uh, I'm glad that yep, you're, yep. you're joining us here. As we, uh, we move on with the show today uh, for our women's soccer spotlight, and we are headed up to New York again, Simon. It's been a couple of weeks since we've chatted with somebody from the great state of New York. We've had the opportunity to speak with Adriana Leone and Sam Mewis as well of Western New York Flash. And now we get to go to the somebody that uh, maybe might not always be talked about the most because of just how the soccer world rolls, but uh, arguably the most important person on the field in any match is a goalkeeper, Simon. And now we get a chance to speak with the Western New York Flash goalkeeper. She wears number one. Her name is Sabrina D'Angelo, and now she joins us here on the program. Good afternoon to you, Sabrina, and thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. We are excited to have you here, Sabrina. It's been a very interesting season for Western New York Flash. you kind of taken a lot of people by surprise. You were league leaders for a brief moment, and then Chicago and Portland kind of snuck back up again on you. But can you walk us through what's been going on in New York this year? Because, frankly, anybody that I've really asked this season that covers the league doesn't even really know. They're a little surprised at how well you guys are doing this year. Can you give us some insight on what's going on? Yeah, um, I mean... We're definitely just the underdogs this year. A lot of um, under-radar players who obviously aren't big-name players, but a lot of people who are working hard and all have the same goal of winning the championship. And it's kind of nice that we get overlooked and we're not complaining that that's been happening to us. Um, And we like proving a lot of people wrong. So, I mean, we started off obviously the season with a new coach, Paul and Scott heading in from Portland and um, definitely just a little bit of a change up for us. And they've helped us um, kind of set some goals and, and figure out what our team mantra was. And we go by move the boulder and we've just been continuing every game to move the boulder, move each team out of the way. And obviously it's not always perfect, but, Every game's a new lesson, and I think we've been doing awesome thus far. Oh, I have to agree with you on that one, too. And one of the things that we've talked about on this show and a lot of different places from what I've heard, too, the two teams in the league this season that have kind of surprised people, and you never really know what to expect from our Western New York Flash, but then Sky Blue FC as well, one of your neighbors there up on the East Coast as well. But both of you guys this season have done exceptionally well. You guys have not drawn a single game. You're 6-4 and four so far this season, which I think is very commendable. 20 goals scored, 11 conceded. Talk a little bit about, from your perspective, I mean, you've got some, you know, high-quality players on your team, of course, but can you highlight some of those underrated players that you were talking about that maybe us in the media should be talking about? Because, like I said, we, we know about Sam Mewis, we know about Adriana, and we know about you, of course, but who else should we be talking about this year? I mean, if you want to start from the front of our team, you, you talk about last game with Lynn and, and Lynn Williams and Jess McDonald, and Jess McDonald getting three goals and player of the week. And I mean, just a hardworking front line, relentless in the press. And, and I mean, we started off slow with goals, but um, obviously as the season's gone on, we've definitely put more and more in the back of the net and you go back to our back line and you have Abby doll camper back there and, and Liz Eddie and, and Alana Kennedy in the back and just a solid back line with Jay, obviously out on the left. And it's very, very tough to break us in the back, in the front, in the midfield. Um, you think of even Meredith Speck, and honestly, I hadn't known her before she came to the Flash, and she's making a huge difference for our team in the midfield and on the wing there, and just players you normally don't hear about, and they're just relentless in the way they play and work their butt off, and it's making a huge difference for our team. Sabrina, you had mentioned that uh, you like to surprise people. You got an unfortunate surprise on May 21st, break during <laughs> warm-up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the amazing thing is you still went out and played that game, and it was a, a 5-2 win. So big-time kudos to you. But, of course, you've been sidelined now since then with surgery on June 3rd. And both backup keepers have actually played. Both have scored wins. So I do have to ask you, what's what's it going to take after you get healed to work your way back into the starting lineup? Um, well, obviously I'm away a little bit for the Olympics now, so Britt and Caitlin will be taking over some more until I return. And then when I return from the Olympics, I think it's just me working hard to try and earn my 
starting position back because obviously it's not going to be given to me, especially with the way both of them have been playing. They've been outstanding for us. So I think it's just going to be working hard in practice and being a leader again on the field from the back. And yeah, I think that could potentially do it, but it's not going to be easy by any means. Can I ask about, uh, you know, how the, how the wrist is healing because obviously, you know, one of the reasons you've been brought in is, is the expected starter for Canada went down as well with an ACL injury, Aaron McLeod. Um, so I'm wondering how, how your recovery is coming along and if we'll see you in real. Yeah, um, you will see me in real. I'm not sure if I'll be starting, but you will be seeing me there. I saw the doctor last week and the x-ray looked great. I have two, I think two more weeks left in the splint and then rehab and ready to go. Perfect. Well, I mean, that works out timeline-wise, you know, well for you to be able to, to at least be ready to go for action. I think one thing that we've heard from a lot yeah. of people, too, about it, Sabrina, has been all the concerns with Zika and everything that, you know, we've heard some of the U.S. women players talking about that. Has that come across the Canadian camp at all, or is everybody just going to kind of hope for the best while they're down there? Um, we, I haven't been in camp yet, obviously. Um, we head into camp tomorrow, so I'm sure they'll bring it up and just um, help us through that and what we need to be doing to make sure we can avoid the worst. Um, but honestly, I haven't heard too much outside of camp and stuff like that. Okay. That makes sense then. Um, with, I mean, being obviously being called to the Olympics, this is your first time, I'm assuming, being called into a major tournament like this. Do you have an idea? What are your initial emotions getting an opportunity to play for, for an Olympic medal? Oh my gosh. When I found out, I found out a Monday, I forget, I think it was the 18th or 19th of this month and I woke up to an email from it and I screamed and I was so excited and I, I called my parents right away and I I was emotional because it's been a dream of mine to obviously play in the Olympics and be mm. a part of the senior national team and it's like you said my first big tournament so I'm definitely excited to be a part of this amazing group of women and it's an honor and I think it's a reflection of all the hard work that I've done in the past and much like other players do but I'm very excited absolutely to be part of this and you, you certainly helped your case uh, on making the team. And by the way, congratulations. Yeah, That's absolutely. A, a congratulations. Tremendous honor. Thank you. Uh, but Thank you're, you. I don't know how many people know this. Your, your first call-up or your first time playing in goal for Canada was a shutout uh, earlier this year on March 4th against uh, Belgium. And I never know how to say this, this tournament's name. The Algarve Cup? Is that how you say it? Yep, Algarve Cup. Yeah, so obviously you, you, <laughs> you make a great case for your first time being a goal posting a clean sheet um you know that's that's just a tremendous honor especially after the college career you had all american at south carolina uh, i know you also injured your wrist not to keep on this but i know you also <laughs> injured your wrist at, at south carolina is this the same wrist that you injured back then no it's actually the opposite wrist same injury but opposite wrist i guess mm-hmm. i wanted to be even apparently <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I'm curious, too, about this. I mean, you talk about, you know, your first Olympics that you get an opportunity to play in, Sabrina, and what a way for FIFA to welcome you in by putting Canada in a group with Australia and Germany and Zimbabwe. So not exactly the easiest group uh, ever, especially with we saw how well Germany played at the World Cup this, you know, just last year, and then we saw Australia, kind of that dark horse as well, too, that uh, didn't make it as far, I think, as a lot of po- people had wanted. But for Canada, how much of a motivation is it for Canada to do well at this tournament, especially after not doing as well as somebody thought they were going to do at the World Cup, being the host nation? I mean, yeah, I think we've rebuilt the team a little bit. John's rebuilt us a little bit and and helped inspire us again. And just from our 
last Olympics coming out with the bronze. And I mean, like you said, it's going to be a tough group, but there's really no easy group at the Olympics. There's 12 teams. So every group has it tough. And I think it's just preparing right and, and learning about each team. And, and I think we have a really special group. Um, we're younger and I think that's going to work to our advantage and we have enough veterans on our team to help with the leadership and guide us through. And I think we're going to do awesome to be honest with you. Yeah. How is it training with Christine Sinclair? I mean, obviously she's a legend in the women's game, just surpassed Mia Hamm to become a uh, women's game's second highest scorer. What's, what's it like training with somebody of that uh, stature? It's absolutely amazing. I mean, everything good that you hear about Christine Sinclair is absolutely true. And, she is one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. And I was obviously a younger player coming in with a national team not too long ago. And she was so welcoming and, and talking to the younger players. And I mean, you don't always see that in teams. And I mean, everything she does is world-class and the way she trains is the way you want all your players to train, just hardworking and relentless. And I mean, I love that I get to go to the Olympics with her and be a part of, a team with her. So yeah, she's amazing. So, well, uh, talking with you here, Sabrina, which um, is very exciting, number one, obviously, but having the opportunities mm-hmm. you mentioned here with, uh, with the national team and then obviously what's going on in NWSL. Talk a little bit about your journey though, too. I mean, you played college soccer, you did so, you were very successful, as we mentioned, at South Carolina. You were drafted last year, 21st overall, and then you were signed by the Flash as well. So the Flash has kind of just been all you've known in the, the two years that you've been a part of this. From even people that we've talked to in the past, the league has even grown a lot even since last year. Have you noticed that continuous growth as well of the league, or what are some of the perceptions that you see, especially since you have so many teams out on the East Coast by you guys in New York? Yeah, um, the league has definitely grown. I mean, with the expansion of Orlando and even just from a fan base, a lot more people are getting out to the games and supporting women's soccer. And I mean, I think that's, credit to the Canadian team doing well and the U S team doing so well. And young girls want to be professional soccer players and want to be in this environment. So I think that's why the sport is growing and I'm hoping the league continues to expand next year and continue to grow because it's, it's a job for us and it's, we get to do something we love every day. And I mean, hopefully I'll be playing for another 10 years. So you got to stop hurting your wrist though. If you want to do that, of course, (laughs) I know. Well, hopefully I'm even, so hopefully we're all good. <laughs> exactly. It's like, look, I broke both of them. Let's just call it a day, and uh, everything will be fine now, and uh, n- move on from there. <laughs> the last thing I was going to say is, is is just to build upon that point that you just made, Sabrina. You know, you're starting to see players of other national teams, you know, the best players on those teams, also make their way over from NWSL. I mean, Boston, who desperately needs to get somebody in there, just signed a uh, uh, top-flight French player, Guadi Carcuni. I'm sure I'm butchering that name, but, <laughs> you know, we, we see uh, Little also in the league who was named the BBC America's Player of the Year. So it really is amazing to see, you know, yes, all the Americans and the Canadians, which I still think are the best players in the world, but to also see all these other national team players coming over and wanting to be a part of this league because I think it's hard, it's hard to argue against this being the best league in the world for women. Yeah, I mean, I've I've obviously never played in any other leagues in the world, but I think just the pace of the NWSL is crazy, and and how physical it is. And you always every game's tough. There's no easy game. Um, and I mean, I think it's great that players from overseas are coming over. We have 
an Australian and a, a New Zealand, or and I think they just add to our team. So and it adds to the league. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with you on that one. Yeah, I think the league has continued to take leaps and bounds over the last even just two years as well. I mean, the the influx continues to get better, and people want to come here. It's not like a, you, some of the arguments you still hear for even MLS, too, nowadays. It's like, oh, it's a retirement league. People aren't saying that about NWS. They're saying, hey, I want to go play in the best league in the world, which happens to be in the United States, so that's where I'm going to go. There's only 10 teams, but who's to say there's not going to be 12 or 14 in the next, you know, three to five years, honestly, which I think only makes the league better overall. But uh, it's exciting to see where the league is going. It's exciting to see where a career like yours, who, even though it might be young, has still already been fantastic so far and continues to grow as well, Sabrina. But we uh, we appreciate you taking time today with us, and uh, we wish you all the best at Rio. Hope maybe to see you on the field as well, if possible. We'll be cheering for you as well, and uh, hope to have you back on the program again in the future if it works out. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Yeah, You're best, welcome anytime. Best wishes to your uh, yeah, best wishes to your exciting summer, Sabrina. Thank you. That is Sabrina D'Angelo of Western New York Flash, number one, the goalkeeper. She'll be down in Rio as well, so if you're a Canadian national team fan, go and check them out. Or if you're a Western New York Flash fan as well, check that out as well. We'll run to a break. When we come back, we've got more exciting action for you on Two Up Front. Stay with us. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Inside the studio on another edition of Two Up Front. Continuing to roll along, I am Baxter Colburn. And I am Corey Plath. Corey Plath sitting in for Simon Proven. Remember, if you want to follow us on social media at Two Up Front Soccer, that's the number two, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan, and at CPlath10 as well. Corey pretends to be active occasionally when it's when he's got five seconds of freedom, but you're, you're such a busy guy, Corey. You don't always have time to get on the whole tweeter-verse there. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, if someone tweets at me, I will respond. Sure. Which I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure good people at responding. appreciate. But um, uh, that is few and far between. Of course. It's, uh, it's job and wedding planning first. Oh, wedding planning. Oh, congratulations, sir. Yeah. When's the big date? Uh, June 10th of next year. Wow. Congratulations. So. An all-soccer-themed wedding, I hope? Yes. Of course. Are you going to wear soccer cleats down the aisle? Well, actually, one of the groomsmen pictures I want to do is is suits and soccer cleats and soccer balls. Yes, absolutely. So that's, that is that is a dream of mine. I'm that trying sounds... to get it past the hey, uh, fiance. But there's there's a certain level of what you you know give and take. You 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 taking a lot. I'm sure from what she's telling you, you got to do. Be like, look, I want this one picture. Yeah, you know, I don't feel like that's a big thing. I can take that, and I'm giving her all of my money. So, I mean, I think it's a fair trade. <laughs> it depends on how much you're worth. I don't know. I mean, we'll see at the end of the day or how nice the cleats are. Uh, are you providing the cleats for the picture? Or are you just well, BYU, I feel like most BYU people would OC have, there? I've, I feel like most people, well, at least a good chunk of people would have their okay. own cleats. I mean, some, some people have multiples so they can share with others. If I guess you could use baseball cleats or, you know, yeah. whatever. People aren't going to be like, those are Reeboks. Or Indoor nobody. soccer shoes. That has a, he has nubs. Those are turf cleats. Yeah, so. Oh, man. 
Well, either way, though, it's, it's a very exciting time. So congratulations Thank you. to you, sir. And a uh, special thanks, too, to Sabrina D'Angelo in our last segment as well for stopping by and chatting with us. We appreciate it and uh, wish her a speedy recovery for her wrist. We've, as you heard, she, she's broken both wrists now, Corey, and now she's hoping that she's done. She's like, look, I broke one wrist a couple years ago. I broke this one. Now I'm done. Done with these wrist breakings. I just want to play soccer. I just want to have an opportunity to hopefully start in Rio if she can and uh, continue to lead the second place Western New York Flash in NWSL to more victories, who Simon and I have talked about on the show many times. I don't know how to explain it. Every year, this seems to be the year. It was Leicester City in the Premier League, Colorado Rapids in MLS, Western New York Flash in NWSL. What is going on? I, I don't understand, but obviously Portland is still top of NWSL, but the Western New York Flash will not go away. They have seven wins. Oh, <laughs> they're doing something right. I don't know what it is, but they're doing something right. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's become a very close race um, between the Portland Thorns and the Western New York Flash. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those that it's probably going to come down to the last game or so to determine who wins this whole thing. Yeah, no, I'd completely agree. I mean, that's the that's the nice thing about this league, though, too, is that the top four teams get to make the playoffs. But at the same time, though, I mean, if these four, if the playoffs started today, you've got Portland, Western New York, Washington, and Chicago. Those are four teams that know how to beat each other up. Seattle, they're just on the outside. They started slow. They're starting to finally get back into it. Maybe you'll see FC Kansas City surge back up. Orlando, they've been hot and cold as well, but losing those six games really makes it difficult, too, at the same time to kind of circle back around, too. And then you look at a team like Portland, though, Corey. Seven wins, zero losses, and five draws. That's got to make you fairly happy if you're not only a supporter, but also probably head coach Mark Parsons as well. Not losing a single game so far this year? Yeah, that definitely is feels good. Um, but you have to worry about two things. One... When does the comfortability set in mm-hmm. that you have won every single game or at least not lost every, mm. a game? Um, that is always a danger with the undefeated seasons. Um, you see it across every sports um, sports category. Yeah, and, and uh, so you just need to fight the the willingness to just be okay with letting a goal in or or not playing a hundred percent every single game. Uh, the second thing that you have to be concerned with if you're Portland. Uh, your away stats. You're three zero oh, and four, hmm. and uh, you're one goal away from you know a lot of those being instead of ties being losses. And there's been a couple opportunities too. Portland when they were just down in Orlando just a couple weeks ago, they um they were not looking the best, and Orlando scored first in the 80th minute, and then Portland found a way to tie the game and then win the game ultimately at the very end. But Orlando controlled that game, and they had the opportunity to really take that one away. We even see this with Portland, too. They just beat Sky Blue FC 2-1. And I know oh, you know that's a typical scoreline in, in any soccer, in any professional, a, a one-goal difference. But one goal makes all the difference, though, as we know. And, the, and a two-goal lead is the worst possible lead to have in, in soccer, as we've heard from you know numerous different things. But Portland continuing to impress. However, they're going to be decimated once the Olympics happen because all their best players are playing for the best teams in the world who are at the Olympics this year. So we'll see if Portland drops. We'll see if Western New York Flash or Washington or Chicago or even my Houston Dash. I can, I can, a man can dream. I doubt it, but they might be a new number one team once all the players return back from the Olympic play. We'll see though. 
Looking at the week that was, though, in NWSL, a very interesting game. Or a couple games that took place, Western New York Flash. They beat the Chicago Red Stars. That was a battle of second and third, which allowed Western New York Flash to jump all the way into second place, and Chicago actually drop all the way to fourth. Interesting game there, Corey, in that respect. The Washington Spirit, they beat FC Kansas City 2-0. We heard that FC Kansas City, they've been on a little bit of a streak. Washington, they had started the season hot. They were struggling. We kind of thought, well, we'll see if Washington is able to kind of put the pieces back together. And sure enough, they did. A 2-0 win always has to make life better. Seattle, they beat the worst team in the league 2-0 as well. Boston, 1-9-1. I mean, I don't know what you say about a team like this at this point in the season, Corey. I mean, they've allowed 24 goals. They've only scored three. They're 0-6 on the road. I don't really know what you can say about it. I know we talk about this every week on the show, but Boston... At what point do you say, you know what, It's just, we're just here to have fun? Um, I believe you say that after the end of the season. <laughs> and you, You're not giving you up? Refli- if you, you, if ref- you were Boston's head coach right now, how? what's going through your mind? Well, You've lost you, nine games. First of all, you have to start thinking, okay, my job is in jeopardy. That's, yeah. that's your that's your first thing that's the first thing you should be thinking of um, because you're not doing something right and you need to start looking around at your your locker room figuring out okay what's the mentality of my players who is not in the correct position because mm. there has to be a lineup error somewhere You'd you think you can't just keep losing game after game and doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result I think that's the definition of insanity oh, Jurgen Klinsmann interesting well, at least he started the same back four in Rio. Or uh, not in Rio, in Copa. In the Copa, yeah. I know that had people going insane. They're like, wait a minute, This what? is a thing? Who anyway. is this man coaching our national team? So if 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 you're the head coach of Bo- in, on Boston, you have to find something different. You have to try things. And this is a time where you just try things until something works. Hmm. You have no... Uh, or you have all the room to work with because you're already in last place. You yeah. might as well just go for broke and try and find something that works. Well, and the worst part about it, though, too, they're literally a win away from not being in last place anymore. If they were to win, they would tie FC Kansas City and the Houston Dash in terms of wins on the season, although they would tie Houston with seven points total on the year. FC Kansas City is a little bit higher up, though. But the way this league is structured, though, there's enough struggling teams towards the bottom that one win here, a draw there... Another win here. Suddenly, they're seven, six in the in the standings. You know, it's anything can happen. But it's so hard though because the NWSL, as we've mentioned on the show numerous times, is arguably the best women's league in the world. They've got the best players, and this entire league is competitive. So to see one team doing this poorly, it's a little interesting. But I mean. I guess at this point, if you're Boston, you need to set short-term goals. Just get a win at this point, or just score a goal at this point you've only scored three goals all year long short obtainable goals to help raise morale on your team i think the first thing if you should i mean this is my defender mentality of course but you've you've allowed 24 goals i think the first thing you need to do is you need to lock down that defense and lock down the back four back five Mm -hmm. and you need to say okay we're going to get a clean sheet and that's our first priority and and after that, then we can figure out the offense. But the first priority is if we can get allow them to not score, then all of a sudden we're in this game and we have a chance to win. Hmm. And uh, and I know, like I said, this is a defender's mentality after playing and defense for a number yeah. of years. But you can't allow 24 goals There's no within for that. 11 games and expect to win. And then you've got me on the converse side of that as a forward saying, just just take a shot. 
just start shooting. I don't even care where you are on the field. Like, just put the ball on the opposing team's frame and nine times that, you know, the, the, the saying is if you put 10 shots on goal, at least one of them is supposed to go in traditionally. You I think, think that's what the stat is. I think for every 10 shots on goal or 10 shots as a whole, one, one should go in. Unless but, you put me in front. And then there's just stone wall. It's like not a, <laughs> not a chance. No, nothing happened at all. So we'll see what happens with Boston. Similar story kind of for my Houston Dash as well, too. Either way, it's a, long, it's a long season. Anything can happen. The Olympics will be the best thing that happens to some of these lower bottom feeding teams because they'll have an opportunity to skip up the standings just a little bit. All right, let's take a look very briefly. The games that are coming up this week, Sky Blue FC, they take on the Houston Dash. Sky Blue, one of those throw-up teams. You never really know if they're going to do well or not. They're a win away from jumping all the way to fifth place if they were to win. Uh, Houston, they've struggled all season long without Carly Lloyd, but they've got the offensive firepower to do something. They've only allowed 10 goals, but they've only scored six at the same time. Uh, I think Sky Blue takes this game, Corey. What about you? I, you know what? I'm going to give the hope in your dash. I, <sighs> Thank I, you. I'm I not, I, obviously, if they dash win, I'm not going to be mad about it. I'm, no. Of course. No. Um, I may be reaching here, but I, 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 <laughs> I have I have hope. I, I have, Thank you. I have some hope in the Houston Dash. Thank I, you. I think they're going to find their form sooner rather than later. Uh, they just can't keep keep losing like they are right now. Yeah, I, I agreed. I agree. Hopefully, <laughs> well, they can't keep being bad that long, right? <laughs> you would think. <laughs> oh God, I hope so. Uh, next game, probably the game that a lot. Well, every single game this week has. Pretty big implications. Washington Spirit, they take on the Chicago Red Stars. That's a battle of three and four. Chicago, they're probably out for blood after losing to Western New York Flash 2-0 last week. But Washington, as we mentioned, Corey, they've won six games this year. They've only lost two. They've put 14 goals in the back of the net. They're on 20 points. They're 4-1-1 one, and one at home. When you look at Chicago on the other side, they're 2-3-1 and one on the road. This certainly leads Washington Spirit to be favored. That's who I'm going to take in this game. That is also, I'm not going to go for the underdog on this one. No, it's it's hard to call Chicago an underdog with the firepower they have. But Washington, traditionally at home, very, very good. Offensively very sound. They pass the ball well. They're a smart, smart soccer team. All right, Western New York Flash, the team that a lot of folks are talking about. They get a real opportunity to face a quality opponent in the Seattle Reign FC. Seattle, they have 16 points. A win would put them into fourth place, barring a Chicago loss. Western New York Flash would move in still to second place, but they would be uh, just two points away from the Portland Thorns if they do not win this week. They take on FC Kansas City. We'll get to them in a minute. Do you continue to follow what Western New York Flash is doing? Jessica McDonald, Sabrina D'Angelo, she's not there anymore because she's gone for the Olympics, of course. But... A very good team, though. Lynn Williams for the Western New York Flash. Six goals, leading the league. Jessica McDonald, five goals, leading the league. Jessica McDonald has four assists at the same time. Jalen Hinkey, three assists. This is not a bad team, except nobody's really ever heard of a lot of these players for Western New York Flash. Is Seattle one of those teams that it's like, they're playing Seattle. They're much, Seattle's much better. Western New York will be lucky to get a goal in this game. Um... I think in this stage, it's I'm I'm gonna have to give it to Seattle. I I I think they're gonna be able to um, go on the road and get that win. It's a bit of a hike, though. You're going coast to coast. Yeah, but when you're in this kind of a league, you expect that. True. You, ha- you have to it's know how to teams. adapt to it. Of course. And uh, um, so in this in this case, I have to go with Seattle. Um, hmm. I I 
I don't know why, but I'm going to go with Seattle. Fair enough. They've got the experience. They've got the veteran players. So you'd like to think they'd be able to handle themselves maybe a little bit more than what Western New York has been doing right now. So I totally understand that. Um, I'm going to call a draw on this one, actually. I think that uh, both teams are going to come to play. And both teams are going to find the back of the net once, but ultimately it's going to end in a probably a 1-1 draw. Uh, two other games for you, as we mentioned, Portland Thorns. They take on FC Kansas City, traditionally a game that is full of goals and excitement and high-caliber players. However, FC Kansas City, loitered by pregnancies. Alex or Amy Rodriguez is gone. Sydney LaRue is gone. Um, oh God! What was the who 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 retired? Um, now I can't think of her name too from the women's from the national team last year. Very good midfielder, Lauren Holiday. Lauren Holiday. She retired. So you take three of those probably arguably the best players in the world off your team. FC Kansas City. It's no wonder they've only won two games this year, Corey. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a rough one. Uh, just just, just a wee bit, and uh, I don't think it's going to get better after this game. When you play the best team in the league who hasn't lost a game, I don't think they're going to lose this week either, Corey. I really don't. Portland, I think, is going to take this victory fairly easily. I'm going to say 2 or 3 nothing. 2 or 3 nothing. Okay, and then the final game, the Orlando Pride and the Boston Breakers. Is Boston just happy to get an opportunity to get on the field, kick around for 90 minutes, or we see a possible upset against a hot and cold Orlando Pride team? I don't think that there's going to be much of a chance after this one. Much of a chance? Um, I, I'm going to say that Orlando's going to take it. It's probably going to be a 2-1. Hmm. I'm going to say that there's going to be a goal scored on Boston's side. How interesting. Um, but I'm going to say Orlando's going to win. Okay. And I'm going to agree with you on that one, too. Orlando, they've played... Fairly well at home, 4-1-0 and at home. Hard to fight against a team like that. All right, we are going to run to a break as well. Uh, when we come back, we're going to go over to the Euros for just a brief moment. The semifinals have taken place. We'll also look back at the quarterfinals briefly as well and see Portugal-Wales, Germany-France. We'll tell you who won. I'm sure you probably know by now, but then we're going to take a look and uh, see what we think of the two teams going to the final as well. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Stay with us. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFootsall.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I am Corey Platt. All right, Corey Platt, sitting in for Simon Provan this week. Let's take a look at the Euros. Usually we talk mostly about American soccer here on the show, but with a major tournament like the UEFA European Championships, it's only fitting that we talk about what's been going on. France, they have been tearing through their competition. Germany, the gentle, excited giants as they are. Portugal, okay, Ronaldo, um, and then Bale and of Wales, of course. The semifinals, they were set, but uh, let's just skip back just, just, just briefly here and see what happened in the quarterfinals because those games certainly have a little bit of relevance as well. You don't want to take anything away from the quarterfinals, of course. However, however, if my computer would work, 
I would tell you what happened in the quarterfinals, Corey. <laughs> well, would you like some help? You should tell me what happened. Because I, I, for some reason, that my, my, I have the, the, the semifinals pulled up, but my, my computer's not going back for me. So what, what took place in the quarterfinals, Corey? So uh, we had uh, Poland and Portugal. Yes. And that went to a 1-1 one, one draw. And after 120, 120 minutes, there was no victor. So mm. that went into penalties with Portugal and the Ronaldo <sighs> taking it 5-3. to three. Ronaldo, well done. Uh, uh, were you surprised by that kind of a result? I mean, Poland had been that silent giant. They did a fantastic job. They won their group over Germany and uh, made fairly far. But somehow, somehow, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to this in a minute when we talk a little bit more about Portugal and the, and the semis here, but... Somehow Portugal found the victory. But in penalty kicks, though, is that a fair assessment, though? It's always hard when a penalty kick decides a match against two fairly good teams. It is, but it's all about composure. Mm-hmm. And if you're composed during those final minutes, then, I mean, you have to give some credit to Portugal. Of this course. is not, I mean, if it's, it's always in the kicker's favor. I, I mean, I would argue. Because, I would agree with that. Because goalkeeper, really, you just take a chance. And if you if you go in the right direction, hey, you look like an all-star. But if you're not, then, you know, it, it, it's whatever. You weren't expected to, to get it anyways. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you on that one. I mean, this was the, the first of two quarterfinal matches that would go to penalty kicks. We saw Germany and Italy. Italy, I think, surprising even themselves going as far as they did. They had that shocking win in the first group game against Belgium, beating them 2-0. And then we saw them do a fantastic job kind of throughout the rest of the way. A very depleted team, the papers were saying, and the analysts were saying, ah, oh, this is not the same Italy. But when you have Gianluigi Buffon, you've got Nocuri, uh that's not his name, Chiellini. And, and, and you've got Daniele De Rossi and uh, Giacarini. They've got, they've got such a, a foundation, such a base that it's so hard to crack that. You've got so many players that have played together for years. It didn't matter that there wasn't the Pirlos, the Luca Tonis, the Del Pieros from back in the day. This Italy team surprised themselves, but also proved that they're not as bad as people think they are. And credit to them. I mean, similar situation, as you mentioned, though. Going into penalty kicks, it could have been Italy versus France in the semifinals. It really could have. It could have. You know, they were just a few short kicks away. Yeah, and and I think Italy's strongest... Uh, suit is their teamwork. Mm-hmm. And if you take a look, and I guess this even boils down to the Manchester United thing with uh, bringing in these big-name players, what is the teamwork going to be like? Yeah. Because, you know, that's how Leicester City won. That's how they won the Premier League, is through outstanding teamwork and unselfish play. And Italy constantly brings that to the table every single year. And granted, they may not have the firepower that they once had. Mm-hmm. But in in a lot of times, teamwork beats individual performance. Agreed. No, I completely agree with you on that one. And that's honestly how Italy found their way through. Unfortunately, Germany coming out the better side of that. Speaking of teamwork, though, Wales, they've been one of those teams that has really rallied around everybody on their team. Gareth Bale, of course, Aaron Ramsey. We know how well those two players do, especially in the Premier League and, of course, in La Liga. They put a beat down on one of the teams that can't, understand how good they are. They beat Belgium 3-1. to one. Not 1-0, one not 2-1, 3-1. It's a different scenario. It's one thing to give up two goals. That happens. It's a different thing to give up three goals to a team that nobody has ever given any credit to in decades. 
Yeah, I think we uh, need to take a moment of silence for uh, Eden Hazard's uh, lackluster performance during this entire yeah, tournament. Belgium as a whole. Well, I guess, yeah, Belgium as a whole, but you, you don't get it to the quarterfinals without, you know, winning some games. And so Belgium, yes, I guess they had some weaker opponents within the group. However, um, it, it it was a very disappointing tournament for I Belgium agree. as a whole, and I will speak. Uh, specifically mentioned Eden Hazard. I would agree with you. I think Thibaut Courtois as well. Uh, we saw him come up with a couple big saves in goal, but at the same time, not not the same Courtois we saw two seasons ago for Atletico Madrid in that Champions League final, even though they did end up losing the game. But still, just a, a, a stunner of a, of a of a game from Wales. So congratulations to them. They were to move on. And then everybody was all... <gasps> Whatever it is, or ah, whatever the Viking clap. I don't know what the Viking clap is, or the chant, or whatever it is. It sounds much better when you have Ooh, thousands of people. Yeah, when you've got 80,000 people. If it's just one person, you just sound ridiculous. Let's be honest. <laughs> that was, yeah. It was just... That was, you know, it's it's interesting hearing accounts from people that are at the games which Iceland is a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, especially with their Cinderella story of a run, like, even though they lost 5-2 to two to France, I think any reasonable person would have assumed that France was just going to outrun them. That's I mean, what I thought, Iceland, honestly. Iceland started the same 11 every single game. They had to be exhausted. I mean, to get to they the quarterfinals. The, they didn't have the depth. No, they, they just didn't. They didn't. And um, um, it's just it's incredible that the amount of pride that Iceland has on their team. Mm-hmm. And it's you. You cannot uh, take away from Iceland's run. Yes, it was a very disappointing and humbling defeat uh, to the hands of France. But uh, to come away with two goals against France, granted that you could some could argue it was garbage goals. Sure. Um, because France was already up by what was it four nothing? I believe so. Yes. At half, and mm-hmm. so it, it, it France or France. Yes, they got the win. They got a very comfortable win. But Iceland, it was just a great run. It was a great tournament from them. It, you just you can't take anything away from them. I completely agree. Yeah, it was interesting because, as we mentioned, this has been the year in soccer with Leicester City, with Colorado Rapids, of course. As we mentioned, too, Iceland was that team that won your heart. Everybody was going crazy. And I know beating England meant something on paper, but the England team that was out there it was almost like they beating England. I don't know if that actually helped Iceland because Iceland, I felt like, was a better team going into that game. Regardless, yes, they they beat the name. They beat the name England, but the squad that actually played what I the Iceland team, I don't feel like they they. I think they played a worse team in over that situation. The, over the last few years, I think England has been beating itself. Yes, and it's it's so accustomed to big name and big name play. And doing so well in these tournaments, and you just haven't seen that over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And so since they're trying to live up to this reputation, they just can't. And every year they fall short. And it's been, what what would you say, four years, five years since they've really done something? I would agree. I mean, even at the last World Cup, even at the last two World Cups, in 2010 and 2014, neither time I feel like they really did anything. Since Roy Hodgson has been at the helm there hasn't been much, and people could say the same about the United States and whatever. But when I, because I was gone on vacation 
when the France or Iceland game was going on, and I was coming back, and I saw the scoreline, and I saw that it was whatever it was, 5-1, I think, at the time that I finally tuned in. I wasn't surprised because when people lost their minds because Iceland beat England, I wasn't surprised. Iceland should have won that game. They had no reason not to win that game. And then they played a real team, and they got completely destroyed. Yes, like you mentioned, though, they played the same starting eleven for the entire tournament. Those players were absolutely tired. Your gypsy voodoo Viking chanting magic can only take you so far. When you play a team that is as on point as France is right now, there's no team that I predict will beat them. It doesn't matter if you've got an entire nation behind you or not. France is the team to beat, and Iceland was humbled because they finally got a chance to play a real opponent in this tournament. Yeah, it's France has been just on point from start to finish. Um, you know, in Iceland, in Iceland's game, the, the announcer has said that that was the first time in regulation, like in, from field play, that uh, they had been scored on. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, you know, they had been scored on in the past, but that was from penalty kicks, yep. which is you know, a 75 25% that yeah. it's going to go in. Yep, exactly. And so it's. Um, Iceland, Iceland did get those two goals, which I think helped with um with the whole compensating for the fact that they were going to lose yes. eventually. I mean, mm-hmm. they, if they could have pulled off this upset, uh, I don't think anyone would have been able to stop them. No, I don't think so. I mean, even looking who France, who ended up beating Germany 2-0, I know we've kind of danced around not talking about it, but I mean, realistically, though, it's fairly simple. France, they are the best team in the world right now, and now they will go play a Portugal team that beat Wales as well. 2-0. Say what you will about Wales. This was not a full Wales squad. They had two players, two crucial players missing because of yellow card accumulation. Aaron Ramsey and, God help me with the other one, Ben somebody. I can't think of his other name. Ben... Uh, I don't know who it is. Either way, pardon me for forgetting that, Wales fans and Wales listeners and Euro lovers. Either way, though, this was not a full Wales team. They were expecting guys to step in who didn't know what it was like to play against a fast-paced, nimble Portugal team, and they just completely fell apart. And say, yes, Ronaldo, he's been embracing this role as trying to still be the best player in the world and in this tournament. And he's got he got the first goal, and he assisted on the second goal three minutes apart. That's proof that, yes, he is stepping up. But nobody can still touch what France is doing. And I think France is going to go into this final against a Portugal team who is going to be too high on themselves, and France is going to just completely throw them out of the stadium. I don't see any scenario that has Portugal beating France. I just don't. I see one scenario. How is that? 0-0-1-1 tie into PK. And and in in that situation, Portugal has proven itself time and time again. Um, Because... For whatever reason, they have this love for the tie during this tournament. I don't understand it, but it's working. Play for the tie. And if if you if these guys have been in the situation of being down to the wire, and this is do or die, I need to put this in the back of the net. Um, I'm I'm giving it to Portugal if it goes to ties. Hmm. I'm giving it to them because they have been tested and they have been proven for it to work. Uh, granted, I don't see it going into extra time, let alone PKs. Yes. Um, However, the way typical finals work, it always somehow manages to go to extra time. Yeah. And um, 
I, I'm going to say it's it's going to be a 2-1 or 3-1 for France. Hmm. I could definitely see that. And it's interesting, too, looking at the stats from all teams across the board here, France is a top-five candidate in a lot of different things. They've, they're have they the fifth-best team in the tournament for possession per game. They have 53.8% of possession per game. Um, looking also across, uh, they win 60% of their aerial duels as well when you're know, going up for a header. They have an 84% uh, pass accuracy, and they have a an average of 17.7 shots per game. The only thing Portugal has in the top five is they average 18.8 shots a game. Probably 10 of those are from Ronaldo, of course, so that stat is a little skewed. France is technically also the best-rated team as well. On a, on a scale of 1 to 10, they are a 7.16 as well from how well their players are playing. We'd be amiss not to talk about, though, Griezmann from France, six goals, in this tournament, his team has 13 total. He has six total. He has double the, even the next player in the Golden Boot as well. Morata, he's got three. Ronaldo's got three. You can go on and on. Nani's got three. He's got double. I thought Paye was in there too. I thought Paye, uh, Paye had... has three. He has yeah, okay. three, yes. But Griezmann is just on another level right now, which I think is surprising a couple people. But if you've been a true Griezmann follower, you're saying, well, of course. This is what he does. You know, he's, I believe he does play in La Liga. I believe he plays for Atletico Madrid. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's who he plays for. And in that regards, fans, true followers of him are saying, well, sure, duh, yeah, I mean, this is what he does. But we haven't seen that at an international level yet. So I think that aspect is very comforting for France. The other thing is you could argue um, in both goals that he had against uh, Germany, mm-hmm. one was from PK, which we've already talked about how that couldn't chances are pretty good that's going to go in. Yes. Uh the other goal was just a it was a gift really. Um a bouncing uh, cross that he just tapped in under mm-hmm. Manuel Neuer. Um and Neuer in that situation really should not have come out and he just misplayed it and it went to the back of the net. Yes. So credit Griezmann discredit Neuer. I mean, you Six of one, half a dozen of another. It's it's one of those situations, and and so Griezmann, yes, he's been playing very well. Um, I think the biggest thing is that Pai had a very good start of the tournament. He did, and then he came screaming then, out of the gate. And then um, you have like Giroud, who apparently wants to play in an international level, but for when he wants to play for Arsenal, <laughs> no, he just doesn't. No, so no, he doesn't. As an Arsenal fan, that makes me very upset. Um, Same here, but. Um, that's another topic for a yes. different time. Another show. And um, but it's it's you have these players, the supporting cast around him that just make him so much better. Mm-hmm. And so yes, he can do this on him by himself. But when you have the Pae, the Giro, all these other different players, Pogba for even, um, even though he's been, it's been a very a small, quiet, quiet, quiet tournament. tournament yeah. He still takes some of that pressure away, and that's the thing. The great, I think that's the great part about France, though, too. They just have so many options, but they know how to use them. So that's true. You briefly mentioned this, though. Talk it through one more time, though. France, Portugal in the final. Your score prediction and your your overall winner. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna nail down a three to one France win. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to echo that as well. I think France is going to take this tournament. Um, Congratulations to Portugal making it this far. No one thought they were gonna. I didn't think they were gonna get this no. far, but um, it's the home country, playing in front of their you know their home fans. I would be dumbfounded if France doesn't get at least two goals and wins this game. Do you think Portugal's gonna score at all? I think they find a way to score, but it might be more of a garbage goal. Yeah, I, although Ronaldo has been finding 
after that nice header that he had against Wales, that was a nice way to uh, to uh, end that game. I or agree. Get the goal started, I guess. Exactly. No, I completely agree. Well, speaking of which, though, we're going to talk to a goal scorer in our next segment, San Jose Earthquakes forward Quincy Ameriqua will be with us. We'll talk to him and get his thoughts on how San Jose is doing and uh, why it's been a couple weeks since he scored a goal. He'll answer that and a lot more for us. We'll talk to him next here on Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. No Simon Provan, as you know. He's off for this entire episode, and he'll be off next week as well. Uh, she's uh, out in the great state of Oregon doing some uh, some acting, as we've talked about on the show in the past. But uh, he is excited to be back on the show in a couple weeks. And uh, a couple weeks ago, for those of you that are loyal listeners of the show, you know he had the opportunity to have an interview with an MLS player out in San Jose for the San Jose Earthquakes with Ty Lache. And now, uh, well, I was gone, and now I get the opportunity to do that as well. So we're kind of trading off here. Maybe one of these days we'll get to interview an Earthquakes player at the same time. But uh, today I have the opportunity to interview a forward for the team, number 25, Quincy Ameriqua. For those of you that have followed him, you know he started in San Jose. He's been to Toronto. He's been to Colorado, Chicago. And now he is back in where it all began, in the beautiful state of California at San Jose. Quincy Ameriqua joins me on the line now. Good afternoon, Quincy, and welcome to Two Up Front, sir. Hey, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely, Quincy. We are excited to have you on the program. Well, as I mentioned, you're back where it all started. You were dra- you started off your career in San Jose back in 2009, and now you find yourself in San Jose again. Is it nice to be back after a little bit of traveling by going to Colorado and Chicago and Toronto, and now you're back in the beautiful Sunshine State? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, as you know, I've been kind of moved around a bit for a little while now, but... Um, you know, California's my home. This is where I was I was born and raised and I played my, my college years up nearby and got drafted by the earthquakes originally. So um it's a, it's been nice to have kind of the homecoming, uh, uh seeing familiar faces, uh being in a familiar area and just, just having support of everyone around the community. When you talk about being in a community like San Jose, that's one community that I feel like continues to grow and has kind of almost quietly grown as well. You, California as a whole has kind of been dominated by everything that the LA Galaxy has done, and then it's always been like, oh, that's right, San Jose is still here too. But you guys have been able to cause a little bit of a ruckus this season. You continue to cause problems for teams in the Western Conference. I mean, you still are technically out of the playoffs by two points, but at the same time, the Western Conference is still fairly wide open that a win, you guys would be in, you know, tomorrow, basically. But talk about what it's like to play in the Western Conference, because for somebody like me that I follow a lot of the teams in the Eastern Conference, just more so geologically from where I'm located, what's it like to be a part of such a, a beat-em-up, rough-and-tough, fast-paced Western Conference? Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's difficult. The West the West has a lot of uh, strong teams, a lot of really good players, and and uh, for the most part, you never know who's really making the playoffs until the last couple games of the season, uh, which is which is good. It's a testament to the league and and the quality uh, and standard of play from top to bottom. But it also makes it uh it makes the season a grind uh, as a as a participant in the conference. Um, you 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 really have to be prepared from the start of the season till the end of the season, and and. And during that time, there's a lot of uncertainty that can happen. Injuries can come into play, you know, change of form, uh, just just an overall 
the overall competitiveness of each of each game. Any team has the ability to win on any given day. I mean, case in point, we uh, we unfortunately lost points on the road to Chicago, who is the last place in the East right now. You know, so you can't take any game as a as a given or win, and and that's what's difficult, but also uh, refreshing about the league. Talking with Quincy America of the San Jose Earthquakes here on Two Up Front. Quincy, you talk about how just incredible this league is, not only to try to get a win in, but also for, for losing as well. Like you mentioned you lost to Chicago just recently. You guys, San Jose has not won a game since May 11th. You've had a couple draws. You've technically only lost two games since May 11th, which is a good thing depending on how you want to look at it. But that one win, it's been so elusive in such a long time. You, you've drawn against some very quality teams, but at the same accord, I feel like, where's that win? You guys started off the season fairly hot. You won your first two games, grabbed a couple more victories, and now the last six or seven games, it feels like the Earthquakes have been kind of struggling to put that finishing touch on the ball game, especially in your your two California Classicos as well, with two draws in those games. Yeah, uh, I mean, that that kind of just pretty pretty much sums up MLS in a nutshell. You know, you can can be winning games uh, at any point in time, you can be winning games at any point in time in the season, but that's not a guarantee to continue throughout the year. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we've, we've, we've had some injuries to some key players at individual times, as well as a lot of players that left for the Copa America break. Um, you know, and, and then even our coach got injured too. So he was out, <laughs> out of the, out no of one's the safe. No one's there. safe from injuries. It, it feels exactly. like so nobody is safe. So those are the types of things that you have to deal with as a team over the course of the season. And when you, when you consider those, you know, those truths, not, not, not making excuses for those, but the, the perspective on those draws is, is huge because, uh, draws, draws are so important at the end of the season, especially with how tight the playoff race is. Mm-hmm. It usually comes down to if we had only drawn that game instead of losing earlier in the year, where we'd be at at the end of the year is a completely different story. So, um, yeah, yes, we've, We've only uh, drawn in, in you know, a, a decent amount of time and, and dropped and had two losses. But I, I'm looking at it from the standpoint is, is once we get the wins going, which I know we're fully capable of, those draws are going to be huge for us at the end of the year. You yeah. know, I've been on uh, teams in the past where, where, where it's because we didn't draw those games hmm. and we dropped points on the road that meant a team jumped two you know, three points higher than we were. And, uh, we had to make up for it with a diff, uh, in a, in a different, uh, different time of the season. But when, when you're drawing, you're keeping yourself there as long as, uh, you start getting wins, which I, I'm fully confident in our ability. I would agree with you on that one too. The earthquakes this year, seven draws overall, the second most in the Western conference, only behind the LA galaxy. Well, two of those draws for both you and the Galaxy are, of course, against each other as well. Now, you yourself, Quincy, you haven't scored a goal since the second game of the year against Portland. It's been a while. You've had opportunities. I've seen multi-shot games, multi-shot on goal games as well. How do you stay mentally focused on you know trying to get back? I know being you know the life of a Ford, you have to have short-term memory loss, basically, so that we'd be like, you know what, it happened. I missed that shot. I hit that post. I whatever. Like I just need to keep moving on, but... This has been a bit of a drought for you. How, how are you coping with something like that? Uh, you know, you just, I think I look at it for what my what my role on this team is, and obviously it's to score goals, but more importantly, it's to be an outlet for us to build in the attack, to uh, create opportunities and chances for the players around me. 
Um, I'm not going to say I don't want to score goals as a forward because that's obviously what I want to do, but I, I take a lot of pride in my in, in uh, what I'm doing to help facilitate facilitate goals being scored, whether that's drawing a foul around the box or in the box or holding up the ball and being the link play, you know, the pass or two before before the, the finish. Um, I think the goals, the goal totals from our team is very uh, diverse and spread out amongst our our um, our offensive our offensive group. So um, you know, as long as we're coming away with results, that's what I'm most uh, most concerned with. And speaking of results, too, San Jose yet to win a game on the road this season so far. You guys are five, five, and seven. You have four draws on the road, which I'm certain, which is certainly important, as you've mentioned before. But those five losses and zero wins on the road. In a conference like the Western, in, in like the West as a whole, how important is it to be able to win on the road, especially late on in the season? I think road wins are huge, which is why you, you really want to get them. But I think what's most important is that you win your games at home. Um, if if you're a team that that wins all your games at home and you draw half of your games on the road, you're going to make the playoffs, just statistically numbers wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to win every road game, but road game road games are you know difficult. Home field advantage is an advantage, and people know that for a reason. So um, I'm most concerned with making sure we're getting our points at home. Not to say that I don't want to win on the road, right? I do, but um, I'd be more concerned with if we weren't winning on the road and we weren't winning at home. Hmm. Uh, what's what's very encouraging is the fact that we're drawing on the road, which means we're we're keeping teams from gaining three points, which are supposed to be considered the point the points you're supposed to get, right? On the at yes. home you're supposed to get three points. Yep. So absolutely. on the road, if you're coming away with points, you are deterring the home team from from meeting uh, a a assumed objective. So that's most important for me, uh, when when you're looking at how long and grueling and even the season uh, in MLS is and uh, as long as we're making sure we're coming away with the three points when we're at home, I, 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 I have no, I have no worries about our ability to make the playoffs. And talking about grueling too, I mean, you, you, you go from playing the worst team in MLS last week and getting a loss against them. Now you have to go back home, which I know is exciting, but you have to face the best team in MLS. You play FC Dallas, kind of a tale of two completely different sides. There's twenty different, there's twenty points that separate the two teams as a whole in the league. How do you prepare from playing a team that? Is struggled to put the ball in the back of the net to a team that basically could score with their eyes closed this season based off of how well they've been playing? I mean, if you look at our uh, our performances against them in the last two times, we've, we've tied them both both games, mm-hmm. right? Once at home and, and once away, and we've scored goals in both those games, uh, multi-goal on the road. So, uh, you know, like I said, the, the league is very close, you know? Yeah. If, if you look at the... If you look at the you know, the results of our two games against Dallas and then our result, unfortunately, against Chicago, we've gotten more points against the best team in the league than we have against the worst team in the league. You know, so you, you take as much, you take from that what you will, but I think uh, as an organization, as a group of players and a, a group of guys, you, you understand that each game is its own, its own individual thing. Hmm. You know, you're not, you're not looking too far ahead. You want to, you want to take take on who you're playing on any on that particular day, knowing that you are fully capable of w- beating the best team in the league, 
and beating the worst team in the league, and you're equally as capable of losing to the best team in the league and the worst team in the league. So you're you're wanting to look at all of those pieces and come together on that day and make the result fall in your favor more times than it doesn't. And that's what that's what successful teams do in this league. Because once you get to the playoffs, then it's basically a, a tournament, you know, where literally anyone who's in has capa- the capability uh, of winning. Exactly. And I think that's why so many people enjoy watching MLS, too, is the league continues to grow. You hear how about all these different players continue to come over from Europe, from South America, all over the place. Conversely to that, though, Quincy, you've spent your entire career in MLS. Has there ever been an opportunity that for you to possibly leave MLS and go play in, in Europe or somewhere else around the world? Yeah, there's been a couple opportunities, but, um, you know, I enjoy I enjoy playing in the States. I enjoy uh, MLS, and, um, you know, I don't have any regrets of leaving the league. I think uh, I, I'm proud of, you know, what I've helped contribute to the league and understanding the league and, and just seeing it grow and develop over the years. So um, uh, maybe one day I, I, I go for, for however long or uh, for a period of time, but right now I'm just focused on being with the Quakes and doing what I can to to win a championship. Well, you're as you you might even say you're on Quincy time too with uh with your little with your hashtag that you have. Can you explain what Quincy time is for those of us that don't know what that is? I mean, it sounds fairly exciting, I would assume. Quincy time seems pretty relaxed and carefree. Yeah, it's just kind of I think it's just a term that was coined when um when I was coming off the bench there in Chicago, I was kind of the the uh super sub hmm. who came on and you know, tried to be a spark on the field. And um, I think kind of just stuck. Fans really enjoyed it and liked it. And then I kind of just used that and turned it into a um, into kind of like a fun show where we do challenges and uh, fan submitted requests and interviews and stuff like that. And it's kind of uh, kind of morphed into just everything, you know, encompassing um, uh, my style of play, you know, my personality, and just kind of you know getting the fans and everyone involved in 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 uh in you know just the game the play and just uh being uh being passionate about about our team fair enough well i feel like quincy before we let you go i would be doing a disservice to anybody that listens and knows you we have to go back to that goal that you scored early on i mean that that 40 yard thriller that had everybody around the world basically ooing and aahing about look at this fantastic goal that you know this guy quincy america scored can, I'm sure you've talked about it hundreds of times, you know. But can you walk us through it again? I know now that you've had a couple of months to to process what exactly happened when you took that shot. Uh, you know, I can't, I think kind of just normal. I think if you, uh, if you no problem, <laughs> if you uh, speak to I guess any of my other teammates and stuff, like uh, I like just trying random random things on the field, you know, because, uh, I don't know. It's just what <laughs> I enjoy about the game. So at that, uh, in that particular play, it was more just, you know, fight to win the ball at midfield. I mm-hmm. saw an opportunity to kind of win it. Once I got the ball, then I saw space in behind. So I was trying to get out of our own half, took a long touch, beat my first few couple of defenders, took another good touch. And when I took that touch, I was like, okay, well, let me have a look up and see where the goalie's at because, I know I was the highest person up on the field when I received the ball. Yep. So I figured there's probably not anyone next to me for me to play play through. So when I had to look up, I saw the goalie was just just 
just off his line. And I just felt and at that moment in time, my touch was well, my touch was good. I understood where I was at and I figured I had a, my best opportunity to score would be to try to chip it to the upper, upper left corner there. And, uh, when I, when I made contact with it, I knew I hit it exactly the pace I wanted to and the direction I wanted to. So at that point in time is more kind of running away and, hoping the keeper couldn't scramble and get a fingertip to it before it fell in. You hear, and, uh, so you, he was you, so you hear from some people, too, when they when they hit a ball like that, they're like, I just, I just knew. As soon as I hit it, I'm like, I knew it was going in. Did you have that sense, or it was just kind of like, oh, I hope it goes in, but if not, whatever, at least I no. got a shot off? Oh, uh, no. I, when I hit it, I knew it was going in. I, I, I was thinking the only thing really? I would stop is if, if the keeper had the ability to, to adjust and get his fingers to it. So wow. when, right when I hit it, uh, yeah, right when I hit it, I... I think as a player, you know exactly what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. and when you do it, you feel it. It clicks. It makes sense. You know that that's what you're trying to do. There's a few times where you, you're trying to do something, and something else happens, and it's better than what you're trying to do, and you'll just take credit for it. <laughs> oh, right? yeah, like, absolutely. So, I, I meant to do that, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, totally. I tried to do that. But on that particular play, on that particular moment, um, it just kind of all came together. My touch out of my feet was just right. I had time to look up and see where the keeper was. I approached the ball, and when I hit it, I hit it exactly how I wanted to hit it. So at, when when you do that, the only thing that can prevent it from working out is uh, the keeper making a great making a great save or great adjustment. And uh, fortunately, he, he was unable to hit on that play, so it, it fell in the back of the Absolutely. Well, Quincy, we really appreciate you taking time with us here on 2 Up Front today. If you're in the San Jose area, go and check out a, a San Jose Earthquakes game. They've got games uh, Friday, July 8th. That It's at 7.30 Pacific time. And then on Saturday, July 16th at 7.30 uh, Pacific time as well, both at beautiful Avaya Stadium. Hopefully you'll get to see some Quincy time, some dancing, some maybe 40-yard goals. You never know when Quincy's on the field. Quincy America, thank you so much for taking time for being here on 2 Up Front today, sir. No problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. We're going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got more exciting action in store for you. It's time to talk a little bit more in-depth about MLS. Stay with us. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, continuing to move on with the show. Special thanks to Sabrina D'Angelo and Quincy Ameriqua for stopping by. Great to hear from Quincy in our last segment. I am Baxter Colburn. And I am Corey Platt. All right, Corey. Speaking of MLS, let's talk about MLS. Are you excited? Are you ready? I am so ready. Oh, good. So good. Well, MLS, here's your uh, here's MLS in five seconds, Corey. You ready? Ready. The Revs suck. NYCFC is the best team in the league. Oh, that was three and a half seconds. Woo! I think that's all we need to talk about. Okay, done. Right, let's Next go to segment. commercial. All right. No, just kidding. We're not going to commercial. <laughs> um, I don't. Okay. I. I don't know what to say about MLS right now because there are so many different things going on. First of all, how in the world is NYCFC the best team in the East right now? They're not the best team in the league because that's FC Dallas. They are. They have thirty-four points. Colorado Rapids, they haven't lost a game since Truman was president, I feel like. I mean, they're a point behind FC Dallas. Um, 
I think the biggest thing that I want to talk about briefly before we look back at the scores and all that jazz has to do with Tim Howard and Zach McBath. I was asked on Twitter this week, do you, do you know what I'm talking about, first of all, before we get into this? Uh, let's just, why don't you explain it before okay. we go for it? Zach McMath is the, was the starting goalkeeper for Colorado up until Tim Howard signed with Colorado. So, and Zach McMath is the reason Colorado got 33 points, basically, and hasn't lost a game in eons and blah, blah, blah. They now have signed Tim Howard. Tim Howard has now become the starter. And I was on Twitter this week, and a good friend of the show, Anthony Larson, tweeted at me asking me about this. And, you know, I was I did my best to try to remain semi-neutral, but at the same time still give um, good insight at the same time. Um, Tim Howard coming in is the biggest slap in the face to what Zach McMath has done to the Colorado Rapids. Zach McMath, unless Tim Howard goes out and breaks his leg tomorrow... Zach McMath will never play another game for Colorado. He just won't. There's no reason that, you, that, that that is going to happen because you don't bring in a player like Tim Howard to put him on the bench. You don't bring in the most notable figure in American soccer right now and sit him on your bench. That's just not how it works. If I'm Zach McMath, I want out as soon as possible. I wanted out yesterday. I wanted out as soon as I found out Tim Howard was signing with the team. He's done so much with Colorado that he has a very big bargaining chip that he can go now that MLS transfer window is open, go to another team that is struggling, be a consistent starter for them, and maybe bring a team that is struggling, maybe New England, maybe Chicago, Columbus, etc., and pull them out of the depths because they've all struggled with consistent goal play. Am I in the wrong for feeling this way? No, I don't think so. But what do you think, Corey? What, how would you handle said situation? You you bring a guy like Tim Howard. Zach McMath has played exceptionally well for you. And now you're like, okay, thanks, Zach. It's been real. We'll see you never. Well, I think uh, the only person that would sit Tim Howard after bringing him in is... <laughs> there we go. Our everything boils <laughs> down right, right. to the men's national team. Oh, no, gosh. I think you're absolutely right as far as um, is how McMaster is feeling. Um, in in that situation, there's there's no doubt that you should be feeling betrayed. Yeah. By your own team, by your head coach, by the upper management. I mean, there's there's just no if ands or buts about it. it, it granted. Uh, Colorado is focused on one thing and one thing only, and that is winning. Of course. and Which I understand. Can, can Tim Howard help with that? Absolutely. But is Tim Howard necessarily in the best shape in order to be doing this? No, he hasn't been in the best shape. I mean, what, when he took that year off after the, Olymp- or the World Cup in Rio, that completely hurt him. I feel like that took that that handed Brad Guzan the job and that gave Jurgen Klinsmann the biggest reason ever to say, well, you're not going to be a starter for me anymore. You gave your job away. You proved that you were one of the best goalies in the world at this tournament. And then you said, I need a year. And I, I get that. Personal reasons, totally fine. But Tim Howard has to realistically think now that he's back in MLS, now that he basically sat the bench at Everton, he's not going to be a starter anymore for the men's national team. As long as Jurgen Klinsmann is the is the head coach, there's just no way around that. I feel like. Yeah, it's it's a tricky situation, um, and it needs to be handled very delicately. Granted, I don't think it was. No, I don't think you take someone who is in the form as McMathis and you say, "All right, we're going to sign someone who is um, who was the face of the U.S. men's national team for several years." Yes. 
as far as being a very Arguably solid. Arguably still could be, I feel could, like. Yeah, it could be. Granted, um, due to some circumstances that uh, may not necessarily put him in the best light, um, is is a downfall for him. Yes. And so because he doesn't have that national team experience and because the only team that he really has played for in the last couple of years is Everton, mm-hmm. um, and Everton is shaky at best throughout the entire Premier League, um, is it, it's it's tough. And you don't sign Tim Howard to as big of a contract as you did and just sit him on your bench and say, well, uh, we just want you for experience purposes. I agree. And I think the only reason he got as much money as he did is his name. Yep. It's not for his skill set. Yes, yeah, he got a shutout in his first game. That's great. You need to realize, though, and look at this from the perspective of that Tim Howard is not that great anymore. He's just not. He's getting old. As a goalkeeper, as a soccer player, he is getting old. Sure, he can still make some quality saves. We saw that against Columbia in the third-place game. He made some fantastic vintage Tim Howard saves. He can't consistently do that. If you can't be a consistent starter in the Premier League you and you come over to MLS, that's why he came to MLS, because he wanted to play, and I totally get that. I would want to play, too. That's why he's getting so much money. The Premier League is the biggest gauge, I feel like, of any true player's value. If you can make it in the Premier League, you have the right to call yourself one of the best in the world. If you're the best in MLS, no offense to Sebastian Giovinco, Diego Valeri, Didier Drogba, those guys are not doing anything on the international level. None of those guys are representing their international teams. Even the guys that are getting called up for the South American, Central American teams, or even the men's national teams. Bobby Wood, he's tearing it up in Germany. Clint Dempsey, he's playing horrible in MLS. He did terrible at the men's national team. Sure, he scored a couple goals because he's here in MLS, though. It's not the same. It's not the same, and it won't be for a very long time, I feel like. And this is just more of a money move and a family move from Tim Howard instead of a, I want to come play in the best league. Right, and I believe it's going to take several years in order for it to shape up into um, a very reputable team. Um, Agreed. And I think MLS is taking strides to make that happen. Uh, it's just going to take time. And it with any project that you want to do right, you need to do it. And it's going to take several months, years, decades to complete and do and make it done right. And this is one of those situations that this is just going to take a very long time for the MLS to become a top-tier team, a top-tier league. Yes. And one signing of Tim Howard or, you know, all the signings of, or bringing international players over in the last two years – as much as they did the the uh, kinds of Sebastian Giovinco, David Villa, uh, and the list goes on. It, it's it's helping the competitiveness of MLS, but mm-hmm. it's it's going to take more and 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 bringing these um, these other leagues uh, under MLS into play and bringing up these clubs. Well, it's the bottom line is this: if MLS wants to shed the retirement league, they need to stop signings like this. No, I mean. You can't, obviously, because you let them go where they want. You let players go and money go where you want to. But you can't do signings like this and expect your league to get, quote-unquote, better. You just can't. If this was Tim Howard even two years ago, totally different story. I'd argue with that point with you. Because okay. if you bring in these, quote-unquote, retirement player leagues, or re- retirement players, mm-hmm. um, 
well, let me put it this way. True or false, some of these retirement players are better than a uh, majority of current MLS players oh, in the U.S. Oh, absolutely. I mean, David Villa, Andre Pirlo, Frank Lampard, 100%, Steven Gerrard, Robbie Keane, 100%, then a majority. Does playing against these players in turn make the MLS, true MLS players, better? I would agree with that, yes. So I think by doing in this and that and signing these players, you're indirectly making MLS better. Granted, it will have this retirement league uh, tag on it for a very long time, mm-hmm. probably more than five years. Yes. But it's going in the right direction because you have to start somewhere. Of and course. I think bringing in these quote-unquote washed-up players is one way to do it that is going to help increase the competitiveness of the league. Mm-hmm. Because you've seen the Western Conference just grow as far as... Every year. As, so. as being just top-notch. Mm-hmm. And the Eastern Conference now is starting to put up a fight with NYC. And it's you're, you're starting to see more competitiveness. Granted, right now it's due to international players. But eventually the MLS and the under leagues are going to start driving that force. Mm. And just due to the competitive nature of what that used to be, hmm. no, I, I that's my prediction, and I can see where that where you're coming from with that too. And I feel like this is a debate that could go on, you know, for a very long time. So I want to make sure we don't spend too much time on it. But it's very interesting to see when a signing like this happens with Tim Howard and the reception it gets. It's if I am purely just a player that has never been to MLS, doesn't know anything about the league, and I've played whatever eight years nine years in europe and other assorted places if i want more value to my career if i want a better even a better form of life basically and know that i'm a fairly skilled player i know i can come and get quote unquote overpaid in mls for what i couldn't even maybe be a starter or a consistent sub in england or germany or france or italy because mls has the money which is great but they are using it in the wrong way, I feel like, at times. Sometimes bringing in these older players, yes, you can say it makes the younger players better. At the same time, you might be hurting the quality of the league a little bit. But it can go a lot of different ways. So let's take a look back briefly here as we've talked a little bit more about this than I thought we were going to, but which is fantastic, though. I think it's a debate that I think that needed to happen. Uh, let's take a look back at the week that was. The Chicago Fire, the worst team in the league, as we heard from Quincy Ameriqua, they lost. They, I mean, they, they beat San Jose 1-0. Going on or going on the road, uh, losing to the worst team in the league can't make any team feel good. And the fact that Chicago won't go away—they're—they're they're horrible. They are absolutely horrible. That was their third win on the season, and yet they beat a team that was trying to fight for a playoff spot. So congratulations to Chicago on the win. But if you're San Jose, it might be time for a little bit of a reality check after that loss. I feel like. Yeah, this is definitely one in which you need to go back. You need to. You can handle it one of two ways. You can just absolutely study the tape, figure out what went wrong, or you can just throw away the tape, say, okay, this is not going to happen again. We're going to go back to our true form, and we're going to forget this ever happened, regroup, and go forward Mm -hmm. and forget about it. I agree. And um, that's the coach's job to figure out which approach is going to work best for your team. But something needs to change, and this is just a wake-up call. Yeah. And and it needs to work for the next game. I completely agree with you on that one. Um, RSL and DC United. RSL, much better team, uh, third in the Western Conference and um, fourth overall in the league as a whole in total points. They drew DC United 1-1, a DC United team fifth in the Eastern Conference standings. Not a bad result, but you really expect a team like RSL to do better 
uh, against a, a D.C. United team that uh, has been struggling. But give credit to Bill Hamid. He stood on his head multiple times in this game and came up with some incredible saves. So well done if you're D.C. United. Shame on you, RSL, for not getting a, a victory. Montreal Impact, they were down 2-0. Kai Kamara and the New England Revolution, they look like they got it all figured out, Corey. Two goals from Kai Kamara, bang, bang. Kai Kamara scoring, the Revolution are happy, they're up 2-0. And then Montreal scores one, two, no, 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 three. They come back from behind, and they score three unanswered goals and beat New England. And what was the time frame of those three goals? Not a lot of time. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, it's just been one thing after another for New England. It looks like they're really good, and then they just uh, fall apart. Let me see here. The three goals, um, they got well. They got three goals in 14 minutes. They scored in the 40th minute, the 48th minute, and the 54th minute. After New England scored in the 18th and 33rd. So it's it was bang, just, bang, and then it was just like two goals, and the 54th, and then... Nothing could happen it's, after that. It's it's incredible to to watch and to witness uh, New England's uh, rise and then very very fast fall. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And we talked about this last or a couple of segments ago too, talking about defense and offense. New England is very hard to dispute that they have a poor offense. They have a very on paper, as I know that games are not won on paper. I was not born yesterday. Sports world, thank you. On paper, New England has some of the best and youngest and brightest attacking players. Defensively, Chris Tierney is about all they have. They don't Jose Gonzalez, you know, Watson, sure, maybe, but no, there's really not a true defense. Even Bobby Shuttleworth has been playing fairly poor. That's why we've seen Brad Knighton a couple times, too, for New England. I really want to know, if New England doesn't make the playoffs, is Jay Heaps finally out of a job? Because I've liked what he's done for the most part, but New England hasn't done that well the last couple of years. Yeah, they made the finals two years ago. I really want to know if the Revolution finally let go of Jay Heaps, though. Uh, if they continue in this form, I think it's a definite yes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at their last six matches, it's two wins and four losses. And you can't keep going like this no. if you're New England because you have a very loyal fan base that's going to expect nothing but the best. Exactly. And it's it's tough for a New England fan right now. And I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir at this point, <laughs> True. but it's it, you have to feel good that you were you were up two to one at half, yeah, uh, of that game, and it, you just got to feel awful that you let in two goals in the second half. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that one. Um, so we'll see, and we'll talk about New England again here briefly in a moment as they played NYCFC to close out the week in MLS. The other thing is, is though Montreal Impact. Um, based on standings alone and, I guess, form too, they should have won that game. Yes. So the fact that they were up does speak volumes to the the potential that they do have. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of problems, but they can be fixed. I agree. I completely agree. Speaking of a team that has a lot of problems, the Seattle Sounders. They found a way to draw a fairly good Toronto FC team, but Toronto, kind of a problem team as well. They went out and they finally got a goal in the 60th minute, and then the the Wunderkid, no, that's Christian Pulisic, or however you say his last name, Jordan Morris, the reject from the men's national team, scored a goal one minute later. Probably one of the better curling goals you'll see in MLS this season. And then the game just kind of fizzled out and turned into just a 1-1 draw after that. I mean... Overall, it was you know it was nice to see Seattle not go away. Um, Clint Dempsey didn't play in this game; it wasn't it wasn't really 
going to play, to my knowledge, because of returning from Copa America and whatever else Clint Dempsey tries to do with his life on a daily basis. So, you know, it was whatever. You can only say so much about that. But uh, Toronto FC, another opportunity lost um, to to try to assert themselves as a decent team in the Eastern Conference. So, I mean, what, what can you say about that, really? I think that's year in and year out that Toronto is in that position where they can yeah. finally make that push, and then they fall far in their face. But I know it's been a while since, you know, we've talked about soccer, Baxter. Yes, you're absolutely right. But what happened between this year and last year with Seattle? It it's just think, it feels think, like it's a night and day difference. I think some Seattle difference. fans will tell you injury. I think some will say, even even for me, I'm, we'd have to get Chris Blakely on the phone, honestly, our, our Seattle Sounders guy, and, and ask him because without actually being there, it's so hard to know. Because us on the outside looking, you're like, what the hell is wrong with Seattle? Because I mean, they are the second, well, the, okay, the the third worst team in MLS. They are the worst in the West. But the Chicago Fire and the Columbus Crew technically are worser. I don't know. It's not a word. More worse, but worser, badder, no, more, more, more badder. Just say worse. They're worse than them. Anyway, Seattle though: five wins, two draws, nine losses, twenty goals conceded. They've only won one game out of their last six. They've lost four. I don't know what's going on in Seattle. I've heard rumors that Shiggy Smith might be gone as well at the end of the year because of that. I mean. At some point, you got to pull the plug on the manager, which you feel bad for at times because I'm sure he's doing everything in his power, but it's hard gotta to blame do. somebody. It's hard to do after one season. Mm-hmm. And, and, and although at a top at a top club like this with support base that that Seattle does have, yeah, it's hard to not because those those fans are are just. I mean, those fans are one of the passionate most. Uh, it's it's difficult to. Um, po- to put a positive spin on it, but yeah. they are just incredibly passionate about their soccer. Club. I agree. No, I completely and, agree. And uh, I think there's really no choice that management has if mm-hmm. it continues. He's he's got to be out. Absolutely. No, I I 100% agree with you, Ziggy Schmidt. You are certainly on the hot seat. Uh, Houston Dynamo. They pulled an upset win against the Philadelphia Union after Philadelphia was kind of coasting as one of the best teams in the East. They still fairly are, but they've lost three out of their last six games and are starting to return to their old Union ways. Congratulations to Houston, who had who needed a very Important win to not be the worst team in the West anymore. Seattle now owns that title. Uh, the big one, the Derby, that everybody was super excited about, if you were a New York fan, that's for sure, was NYCFC versus the Red Bulls. The rivalry, as they call it. Can't be a rivalry, Corey, if one team wins every, all the time. The Red Bulls, they had won all four meetings up until this game, and finally, 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 NYCFC won a game, surprisingly, but they've been in great form recently as well. This still isn't a rivalry, though, in my opinion, because it's been it's one game. You can't judge a five-game series where one team has won four and one team has won one game. You, I, I still, I mean, yes, they live in the same city. They play minutes away from each other. It's not a full-fledged rivalry yet, I feel like, because you need that give and take between. It's like, hey, NYCFC or the Red Bulls, hey, they could win any given day. It's been, no, it's hey, the Red Bulls. They can win any given day, I feel like. Well, the other thing that you have to consider in this victory um, while it is a small component, but it is a component, is the fact that there was a red card in the game. Yes. Which did help NYC uh, to get that victory. Yes. No, I, I agree with you on that one. And that certainly did lead to said victory. But at that same time, though, it was great to see Andrea Pirlo finally starting to emerge. Frank Lampard, Jack Harrison, who's really stepped out of his own. 
and start to really show that this team is capable of winning games. So uh, briefly with some of the other games here in MLS uh, on the week, uh, looking on the week back, uh, Sporting Kansas City got a much-needed victory, 3-2 over the Columbus Crew. There was a red card in that game as well. FC Dallas, they hammered Orlando City 4-0, which ultimately led to Adrian Heath's dismissal as the Orlando City coach. Colorado and Portland tied, as we mentioned, 0-0. The LA Galaxy, they beat Vancouver 2-0 after Nigel Jeong murdered somebody on the field, basically. And then NYCFC capped off their double week against the New England Revolution with a 1-0 victory. Any of those games you want to talk about briefly? or I, I just, uh, real quickly, I don't think that there are many games in which Nigel Jeong doesn't kill someone. <laughs> Him and Pepe, at <sighs> least the old Pepe, would have been best friends. Well, still Pepe now, kind of still. He he's gotten much better. He has. much better. But I mean, those you throw in Zidane Zidane, too. Yeah. I mean, the three of them just, just death row for all oh, for the amount of murders man. on the field. It's terrible, terrible. All right, we're gonna go to one more break. When we come back, we'll wrap the show up. We'll offer predictions quickly about the week that was. We'll do our I believe, and we'll sign off and uh, bid farewell to you, Corey Plath. At least for the week. Maybe you'll be back next week. I don't know what your schedule's like. I guess we'll have to see. We'll find out. All right, one more break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFootsall.com. Back inside the studio, two up front, finishing up. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I'm Corey Plath. All right, Corey Plath. Let's predict some games. MLS, how do you feel this week about MLS? Are you excited? Any any games catching your attention that you might try to sneak away and watch for a little bit? Well, I don't think it's a week in soccer without talking about Seattle and LA Galaxy. Ooh. I, I mean, granted, this may not be the most exciting um, game due to uh, recent standings, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still one of those heated rivalries that when these two teams get together, there is uh, blood, sweat, and tears left on the field. Seriously, like lots, lots of lots of blood. There will be no Nigel Dijong or Dijong or Shamalama Ding Dong or however you want to call it. Dihead, Dihead, yeah. De, de. Anyway, he will not be a part of this game. Uh, so rest easy, Seattle fans, so you don't have to worry about any of your players getting murdered or beheaded or sliced at the knees or burned at the stake. Seems like a very violent man. Anyway, uh, some good games this week, Corey, looking at everything. Uh, Orlando City and Houston Dynamo, who do you got and why? Uh, I'm going to have to give it to Orlando City. Um, mm. After getting completely decimated last game and with the coach getting fired recently, uh, you got to show up, and and more often than not, when there is a change involved in the organization, there usually the players usually step up and move towards uh, a new beginning. Hmm. And so, I believe Orlando's going to win it. How interesting! Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, echo that sentiment as well. Fun fact: Houston Dynamo have made the most accurate crosses per game in MLS this season with 6.06. 
Who Too knew? bad that doesn't translate to wins. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's great. You're crossing the ball, but are you doing anything with it? San Jose hosting FC Dallas. FC Dallas, the best team in the league. They are going to get another victory, in my opinion, and they will beat down San Jose. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that one. Mm. I mean, San Jose, number eight in, in the Western Conference, you really just you can't measure up to what FC Dallas is doing. I agree. I completely agree. Seattle versus L.A. Bruce versus Siggy. Shiggy, Ziggy, I don't know how you say it. Siggy. Siggy Smith, Schmidt. Galaxy have to win this game, don't they? You would think. Everybody's there. Everybody's back. Seattle don't know what to do. Sure, they're hosting, but still. When did that mean anything for Seattle? This is the game in which it it defines if uh, uh, Siggy's going to be the coach. Mm, could he get fired after this game? I think it's entirely possible. Because you you after after the the performance that you're putting in so far into the season and if if it's um I'm going to say if it's a 3-0 or 4-0 game, mm-hmm. I'm going to bet that Siggy is is either fired or is willingly steps down. Yeah. I mean, you you have to Portland's um Seattle, sorry, uh, is going, not going to stand. Easy. You're going to get I some know. fans riled Simon's, up. Simon's not here, so like, we're hey, fine. Hey, hey, hey. I saw green, and I, I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. So, okay. Um, no, I, I don't. If, if it's a 3 0, 4 0, I don't see how Siggy's going to make it out of this. Hmm. I could agree with that. All right. Uh, looking at Philadelphia versus D.C., battle of Eastern Conference teams that are usually super boring to watch. Uh, that's why I'm not going to watch this game. Philadelphia is going to get a win, though. I agree. New England and Columbus. Kai Kamara hosting his former team. When you think New England's bad, Columbus, they're even badder. Worser. Terribler. Er. Definitely not gooder. No, they're not much gooder, honestly. Uh, Rebs are going to find a way to lose this game, though. And Columbus that's, is going to win. That's what I'm actually betting on. Yeah. All right. Uh, Toronto and Chicago. Chicago. Oh gosh, um, I'm I'm gonna have to say Toronto. Although that's a rough one because I don't. They've always Do you really find want a way team to win this game. No, it's. It, <laughs> I I have a feeling it's gonna be a draw. But if if one team's gonna win, it's gonna be Toronto. Okay, uh, I'm gonna agree with you on that one. Vancouver and Colorado. Vancouver, they've been hot and cold recently. Colorado haven't lost a game since before uh, Jeb Bush was born. I don't know why I picked Jeb Bush, but that's who I went with. Um, First Truman, now Jeb. Yes, slowly getting closer to, to history being a thing. Um, I think Vancouver embarrasses Tim Howard. Nay, I want them to embarrass Tim Howard. Really? So Zach McMath can get his job back because I think it's total anarchy. Well, that would be interesting to see. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I pick, know. I pick Colorado. Okay, RSL and Montreal. I'm going to say that Montreal's going to win. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm going to have to argue against that and say RSL because they uh, have a better offense, in my opinion, and I believe they'll be able to contain Ignacio Piatti as well. I think the only reason I'm picking Montreal is you don't come back, you know, 2-1 at half and win 3-2. And uh, in the second half and, and score that those type of goals. I'd um, agree with that, yeah. I think that coming off of that last game, uh, there's a little bit of firepower in them. And I don't see Fire how RS, RSL is going to stop DDR. Okay. I can see that as well. All right. And finally, the game that people still might be watching as well. This is be an interesting one to keep an eye on. The Red Bulls and Portland Timbers. Red Bulls, looking at them, they've lost uh, two out of their last three games. 
Portland, on the other hand, they haven't lost in any uh, any of their last six games. Well, um, I'm going to do uh, Simon Proud, and I'm going to go for Portland. And I also am going to echo that sentiment as well. Who knew? Go Portland, I guess. Apparently. I don't know. All I right. don't know who cheers for those kind of teams. People that like to cut woods and yeah. grow beards. and So Simon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he does grow beards, and I don't know if he cuts wood. Probably. At some I don't point. Know. At some point in his life. All right, let's do uh, my favorite segment of the show. Time for our I Believe segment where Corey and I offer a something about the soccer world that we believe will come true or that we just believe will happen at some point here, there, or another. Corey, would you like to start as my as the the guest co-host, or would you like me to go first? Can I do two fake, or one fake and one real? Sure. My fake one is you. In the United States is going to win against South Africa, the women's national team. How is that a fake one? Well, because it's going to happen. Oh, okay, I was like, well, that's depressing. You're not going to take them to win. No. Um, the the real one that um, I'm going to go back to my uh, Homer feelings. I had a I'm, feeling. It's it's. I'm going to say that Minnesota United is going to win the fall the summer. I guess it would be the fall season. Fall season. I never understood that about NASL. It's like, where did the spring fall? Just play one season. Yeah, well. Shut up and play one year. Yeah. Not hard. I don't know. So That's what makes it I, unique. I think I think Minnesota United is going to pull it out for this season. Mm, okay. I can I can respect that. Uh, for me, for my, I believe, I believe that the New England Revolution, I know I mentioned this, will fire Jay Heaps at the end of the year, even if they make the playoffs. I think it is time for a... Changing of the guard, and it is time for Jay Heaps, it is time for Ziggy Schmidt, and it is time for eh, whoever else wants to get fired. But I think Ziggy Schmidt and Jay Heaps will both be meeting in the unemployment line maybe sooner. You're in Klinsman? You're in Klinsman for England manager? <laughs> Hashtag? I'd be fine with that. Would you be okay with that? Well, England can't get much worse. <laughs> Granted, I thought they, I thought Jurgen did fairly well. Jurgen and, and the U.S. men's national team did fairly well at Copa. I was I was would have been happy if they just got out of the group, but the fact that they did, you know, respectable. Sure. I, I thought I thought that was a step in the right direction, and finally they started the back four the same in back to back games. Some Christmas miracle. All right, well, Corey, thank you so much for co-hosting this week on Two Up Front. Uh, Absolutely. Greatly appreciate it. Simon, if you're listening, we miss you, and we look forward to having you back in a couple weeks. Thank you again to Western New York Flash goalkeeper Sabrina D'Angelo and to San Jose Earthquakes Quincy Ameriqua for stopping by the program as well. Coming up next week, we've got some more exciting interviews. We can't tell you who they are yet because, well, frankly, we don't know yet either. But we've got a couple emails we have to respond to and uh, lock things up. So thanks so much for listening. We tell you, we want to remind you as well, Sports Podcasting Network, you can find us, Spreaker.com, iTunes, and iHeartRadio as well, 1130 a.m. Central Time on Fridays. He's Corey Plath. I am Baxter Colburn. With our manager being the one above, we are two up front. At Acuity Insurance, we believe the things you do for your business every day are nothing short of heroic. And you deserve someone equally heroic to protect them. Like the breaking ground on new construction things. The every box and barcode matters things. And the driving the family business forward things. 
we put our all into covering your business so you can focus on the things you love most. That's the power of heart. Acuity Insurance, wholeheartedly for you. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.